0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I'm going to meet you there in just a moment, 2 Samuel chapter 23. In the Seattle area, there's a house that was built and finished in the year 1900. It was a modest home in just 1,000 square feet. In the year 1952, an English elderly lady was looking for a place to finally call her home. Her daughter, Edith Macefield, decided that she would buy the little house for her mother and her for $3,750. How many of you are looking for a deal like that? Two years later, she paid it off. A few years after that, her mother passed away in the very home that she purchased for her. As time went by, the area began to grow, and so did the opportunities for developers and um, developers to come along and start building retail stores and markets and malls, etc. And one by one, the little houses on the street that she lived on were purchased and knocked down. And at the age of 84, a developer came to her door and offered her for her 1,000 square foot home $700,000. How many of you are also looking for a deal like that? She told him no, not interested. Well, some time goes by, they, they come back again and they say, well, Edith, we really want your house, and will you take $800,000? And again, she says? Some time goes by, and once again, they return. They offer her $900,000. And again, Edith says? No. They come back one final time, and they say, listen, we will give you $1 million for your 1,000-square-foot house. That to remind all of us here today, has been paid off for over 50 years and you only paid $3,000 for this house. We're gonna give you a million dollars, not only that, we will help you find the next house that you wanna live in. And we will also provide a healthcare assistant to provide care for you as you age in the days ahead. And again, she looked at them and said, no. She refused to sell, and she was quoted saying, everyone thought I would sell and go back to England, and I never did. Somehow, this old house wrapped its old age structure around me and just hung on, and she said, I'll never give up. On June the 15th, 2008, Edith Maysfield died in her home, and at the end of it all, her house was sandwiched between a Trader Joe's And in LA Fitness, as you can see in the picture behind me, she never (laughs) gave up. She never surrendered. And if you study the life of Edith as I have, listen to podcasts about her, I've researched her, she's quite a mystery, a lot of interesting secrets and details surround her. But one thing we know for certain, that to Edith, this place meant more than it looked. This place, somebody say this place, this place, means more than it looks. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 11. Next in rank was Shammah, son of Agiv from Harar. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled. But Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great, a great victory. Now this sermon today is going to be really out of these two scriptures. And really there's not a lot of, a lot of history for us to work with today. We, we don't know a whole lot about, about this brief story about Shammah. Shammah is only mentioned a few times in scripture, mostly mentioned in just brief, chronological names of people. Uh, This is the real only brief account story that we have of the life of Shammah. Uh, We know very little about him. We know that he was one of David's 37 mighty men. Uh, The three that are named are the mightiest of men that David had, and he is one of them. He was the son of Agi, who comes from the land of Harar, period, end of story. Not much more we know about, about this man named Shammah. But today, I believe out of these two verses, God is going to enlighten you and I of the importance of having the attitude and the spirit of Shammah. Can I get an amen? Amen. The Bible says, one day, the Philistines showed up. One day, the Philistines gathered together at Lehi to attack. The Philistines were the arch enemy of the Israelites. The Israelites are God's chosen people. The Philistines are not. (laughs) The Philistines are against everything that God has done for the Israelites. In fact, when you look through pages of your Bible, it is the Philistines that are there oftentimes to to plunder and to subdue, to beat, to to oppress and to steal from the Israelites. And the Bible lets us know that they they gathered together they had called in reinforcements to take this field from the Israelites. This field, many believe, was just a field, by the way, of peace. Nothing significant. It's not a field of gold. It's not a field of minerals. It's just a field, a field of peace. And that's what the Philistines had brought in gathered together, brought in reinforcements, and have decided we're gonna, take, we're gonna take this field. And can I tell you today that you and I have different fields in our lives. We have fields that we are responsible for, things that we have to tend to and take care of that, that fall to our responsibility. Fields like our marriages that we have to take care of, we have to weed that garden and we have to, we have to water that place in our lives and we have to, to, to do the hard work to produce a harvest to have a life-giving, joyful marriage. Not only that, but we have places of responsibility like our own children. Those are fields in our lives. And just a reminder to all of you in the room today that your children are your children. I don't know what they're saying in Washington. I'm hearing different rhetoric coming through, but can I tell you today, your kids belong to nobody but you. But our children, as well as our marriage and our health, and our careers and even our church, these are places of our responsibility These are fields that we are to tend to and to take care of, our communities, and not just that, our prayer life, our joy, our minds, our praise, all of these places in our lives are something we need to tend to and take care of, and and there may be times in life, and I think I'm talking to the right room today, when it just seems like that the Philistines come into some fields every once in a while. And they come in, and when they sneak into our fields of our marriage, it's almost like they bring discord with them, misunderstandings with them, broken trust with them. Sometimes it's almost like the Philistines can sneak into our kids' rooms at night and, and bring rebellion with them, and issues, and struggles, and problems, and difficulties, depression, mental illness. Am I talking to anybody? who's ever had to fight a Philistine before. The Philistines can sneak into churches and bring disunity come on, talk back to me now, the Philistines can sneak in and and get inside of our our worship teams and, and small groups in the lobby and somebody can start arguing and saying, well, I don't know why they paint the building that color or why the carpet's that color or why. Let me just tell you something, if we're not careful, the Philistines can just sneak in and cause some really bad problems. Are you with me? Give me a moment just to talk to you. I still believe in the devil. I'm not one to make a big deal of the devil every day. Like if the gas light's on, I'm not rebuking Satan. You know what I'm saying? Like let's just be real. But, but the Bible does teach us that there are spiritual realities that we need to be aware of. The Bible lets us know Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we know that the enemy comes in as the father of lies. Jesus said he's been a murderer since the beginning and a liar. So we know this, that the devil's mission is to murder, and we know that his method is to lie. He has come into our fields, and the Bible lets us know that that he's come to steal, that he's come to kill, he's come to destroy, That's why the Bible says we got to be sober, be vigilant, be aware that our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking through fields seeking whom he may devour. Come in bringing depression and anger. The Bible lets us know that that some of our fighting, in fact, it says in Ephesians that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. I'm not fighting you. He's letting us know that we're not fighting one another. We're fighting a world that, that is not seen or perceived with the natural eye. Because we don't fight flesh and blood, but we're actually fighting against principalities, powers, darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. He's letting us know that we're not necessarily fighting what we can see, we're fighting what we can't see. And, and if you watch this, how else do you explain the stuff that's going on in culture today? How else do we explain? It's like the Philistines have slipped into Washington. It's like the Philistines have slipped into education. It's like the Philistines have slipped into the church. It's like the Philistines have slipped into families. It's like the Philistines have slipped into sports. And I've just come to tell you today that there are real spirits out there. There are real demons at work. The devil has a high time, and I think the devil knows his time is short, and he has turned it up. But it's all the more why we got to turn it up. The Bible says that they have come to take the field. Now, I want you to think about this. The Israelites are the ones that planted it. The Israelites are the ones that tilled that garden, sowed those seeds, weeded it, watered it, took care of it. And it was now time for harvest. And the Philistines had positioned their timing to that they were going to come for the harvest after all this work has been done, they now want to take the most fruitful season of those fields' lives. The enemy, sometimes you gotta know that when you're under attack from the enemy, it's a tip that you're the closest to fruitfulness you have ever been. The enemy fights sometimes, I think, and it's an indication that our lives are moving in the right direction. Sometimes we think when things go wrong and we feel like we're under attack, we're doing everything wrong. Can I tell you, you may be doing everything right because the enemy doesn't want your marriage to be fruitful, your family to be fruitful, your teenager to be blessed, your, your faith to grow, your prayer life to strengthen. So he brings in the Philistines to take the fruit before you can pick it. The Bible says that the Israelites ran. Israelites ran. When the pressure was on, they gave up ground. When the Israelites saw the Philistines coming, when they were under the pressure of the attack, God's chosen people, anointed people, called people, blessed people, turned around and ran. Giving up their pea patch, giving up their feel to the Philistines. Can I tell you today, when we fail to value something, we are vulnerable to lose it. When we fail to value it, we will fail to protect it. Failure to value what's most important opens the door to what's most dangerous. I guarantee you, even just this week, I was on the phone speaking with a couple that is dealing with marital issues, and I've come to the conclusion that there would be a lot less marital issues, and I understand me, I'm sure this may be a little bit of a generalized statement, but I do think a lot of marital issues come from somebody or both parties stop valuing that covenant. And when you stop valuing that covenant between one another, the Philistines can come in. Because he knows you're going to turn around and you're going to run. So instead of saying, we're going to get counseling, instead of saying, we're going to meet with a pastor, instead of saying, let's get a third perspective, instead of calling mom and complaining to her, we turn around and when divorce should be the last word on our lips, it's the first thought in our head. And don't misunderstand me. I'm sure there are exceptions and there are abuses and there are issues. But hear me today. Statistics are showing that 30 years ago, people were staying married a whole lot longer. But it's just like the Philistines can get in our fields and shake us up. and Because it's easy to not value it. It's just peas, Pastor Ethan. Same with churches, same with family, same with our business, that if we don't value unity in this house, if we don't fight to protect the unity you feel in here on Sundays. I love when I come to our church and I look around and you got everything in here. This is what heaven, this is what churches should look like and this is what heaven will look like. And we gotta fight for it. Because the enemy would love to come in and cause a little stir. And why does this person come here? And why do they sit there? They walk around that lobby, think there's something. There's too many white people at that church. There's too many black people at that church. God just tell you today that if we don't defend and fight for unity, the Philistines would love to come in here and rip this thing apart. (laughs) Maybe this is how the Bible teaches us the enemy steals. Maybe it's not, and I may have shared this with you before, maybe the idea isn't that the devil just shows up and just takes stuff, just takes unity. It's this mystical word. He just took it. No, what I think happens is that it's not so much that he takes things as much as we give up things. It's almost like the enemy gets a a deal because we are oftentimes guilty of putting things on the clearance rack for the devil. I'll give you an illustration. My my pastor, uh, Michael Pelkey, who's spoken here before, he loves to shop. He loves to shop and he loves a deal. Anybody love a good deal? How many of you, just like me, when you go into any store, you do the same thing? Hey, where's your guys' uh, clearance section at? <laughs> Come on, raise your hands if you're with me on this. So Pastor Michael, we would go shopping together. I've traveled thousands of miles with that guy. And one of the things he loves to do is he loves to go shopping, but he don't pay retail. How do you feel the anointing right there? You just, I ain't paying retail, you know. So, so we go in, and he, we like outlets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Outlet stores. You know, TJ Maxx is a good thing. It's a good thing. What do we got here? What else we got here? Ross. Ross. Yeah, I've been there a few times. What else we got? Marshall. Marshalls. Glory to God. <laughs> How, Marshalls needs a point system. Do they got a point system, anything like that? Like, like these stores, uh, that's what you know, a lot of us like to shop. Just give us, give us at a discount. Let's make it easy. Well, when you go with Pastor Micah, he's always got a coupon, something he's got online, Some Anything. Access codes and all this stuff. Well, I was buying a pair of shoes when I was in Ohio, and he says these are good shoes. You need to buy these shoes. Well, he pulls it up on his phone, and in the store, they were one hundred and thirty-two dollars. Online, rather, online hundred. Now, if you know me, no, not happening. Okay, not gonna happen. Not my style. But at the store, they were thirty-two dollars. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now, listen. pair of shoes. Pastor Micah looked at me and said, that's a steal. That's a steal. I think that's what happens. When we don't value things, we begin to lower the price tag. And when we don't value things, the enemy can come in and get things at a bargain. Does that make sense? So if we're not careful, it's easy to undervalue the peas in our lives. It's just peas, Pastor Ethan. It's just, who cares? The Israelites could easily look at that field and say, you know what? This is crazy. They're coming in. They can just have it. And obviously, to the Philistines and to the Israelites, the Philistines wanted those peas. Obviously, to the Israelites, it didn't matter. The Bible says they turned around and ran. Second, Samuel, the second verse there says, but Shammah, but Shammah, I love that. The Israelites are running, the pressure is on, the Philistines have arrived, and everybody's hightailing it out, and but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. The others clearly fled. The others didn't stay. The others thought it was just peace. The others saw something that seemed of no value, something worth fighting for. They, they didn't see the value. Pastor Ethan, it's just peace. Shama, are you coming? Are you going with us? Because we're all quitting this church, let's go. Who am I preaching to now? We're all gonna do, we're all talking bad about her. Let's go. But Shamma. Bible says he held his ground and he beat back the Philistines. And when I read that, I can't help but wonder what would make Shamma stay? It is just peas after all. But it was almost like Shamma remembered that this land means much more than it looks like. It's almost like the spirit of Edith Macefield from Seattle, Washington, rose up inside of Shamma, and that same spirit where she said, I'm not selling. This place means more than you realize. And that same spirit came inside of Shamma, and he says, I'm not selling. Watch this. The Bible lets us know. He holds his ground, fights his fight. It's almost like he remembered. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they all told us about a promised land. Pastor Moses went to Egypt, looked Pharaoh in the face, and said something like this Let my people, let my people go. He got the children of Israel out of Egypt. They they crossed the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army drowned in that sea. They, they traveled for 40 years, believing there was land for them, believing there was purpose for them, believing the promise of God spoken to them. For 40 years, they pushed through the wilderness by fire by day and and. and, and fire by night and cloud by day, and they they push through and looking for this promised land. Joshua becomes the leader of the congregation. They cross over Jordan and inhabit the land of Israel, Shamanu. I'm not just standing in a pea patch. What you see me standing in is much more than a field of beans. I'm literally standing in the promise of God. I'm standing in the purpose of God. I'm standing in something God has spoken to us, and this place means much more than it looks. Because hear me today, peas don't mean a whole lot unless they're your peas. Unless you and I get in our heart and understand in our mind that these are our kids we're talking about, and this is my marriage, the Philistines have tried to come in and mess with your mind. No, no, no. This is my prayer life, and this is my joy, and this is my home, and this is my family, and as for me and my house, who am I preaching to? As for me and my house, I know the Philistines have come, but I've come to tell you today, Shamma, you better stand strong you better fight back and whatever the enemy has meant for evil you stand your ground you fight your fight and you determine in your spirit as for me and my house and no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper give him praise and glory in the house now watch this he he just the Bible is so good. How many of you just love the Bible? I just love the Bible. And it says something like this, that he, he held his ground and he beat back the Philistines. If you're taking notes, write this down. For you and I to walk through what God has for us to keep and protect the land God has for us, we have to hold our ground. Other Philistines, excuse me, Israelites are going to run. Other Israelites are going to be afraid. But after everything you can do, Paul said, just keep standing Sometimes the strongest thing you can do is just stand. I've prayed for my son. I've prayed for my daughter. I just need a miracle, and we don't know what to do. You just keep standing. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know how to explain that they've been through three or four rehabs now, but you just keep on standing. I don't know how to explain they keep upping the dosage of their medicine, but you just keep on standing. I don't know how to explain that you've been through several counsels and you can't get better, but you just keep on standing. I've come to tell you today, the Bible lets us know that if we can just hold on, we shall reap if we faint not. Kid, just keep standing. Shammah, you may see all the other Israelites running. You see them losing ground and and running away, but when you see them bailing, you just hold your ground. You see other people afraid, you just hold your ground. You see other people scared. I want to just take a moment and champion all the people who have held their ground, that you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the faithfulness of God, and you just sitting there saying, I don't know what else to do, but just keep going to church. I don't know what else to do, but just keep tithing. I don't know what else to do, but just keep praying. I don't know what else to do, but keep believing. Because after you've done all you know to do, honey, you just gotta keep on standing. It's funny how we don't know any of the other Israelites' names, but we do know Shammah's. Those other people don't leave a legacy in Scripture. We don't know their names. We don't know what happens. We don't know the story, but we do know Shammah's story. And he stood his ground. And the second thing, the Bible says he he beat back the Philistines. Number one, you got to stand your ground. Number two, you got to fight your fight. Paul told Timothy, nearing the end of his ministry, "I, I know persecution's coming. I know the Philistines are coming. I know pain is coming, but fight the good fight of faith. Don't run. Don't lose aggression. Don't feel bad for getting ugly with it. Did you hear me? Don't feel bad for getting ugly with it. Because in the world, you would have got ugly with it. She knows. She knows. See, yeah, I felt that yes, felt different than most. <laughs> but then we get saved and we we stop getting aggressive. The Philistines can come in and wreak havoc. And I want to encourage you to stand your ground. Fight your fight. Because peas don't mean much unless they're your Peace. Jesus was nearing the end of his ministry and he ends Passover meal with his disciples and he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and the Bible lets us know that he's, he prays and the guards come with Judas to take him away. You remember this? While they are there to take him away, one of the guards pulls a sword, excuse me, Peter pulls a sword, P- P- Brother Peter, Pastor Peter, I, he's a little wild, pulls a sword, cuts the ear off of a soldier. Jesus kind of gets upset. Heals the man, keep that in mind, heals the man's ear and then looks at Peter and says, Do you know I could call more than 12 legions of angels down here to save me? That's what Jesus says to Peter. What do you mean, Pastor? What does this have to do with the sermon? Jesus could have called 72,000 angels. That's what that equates to to save him. Jesus could have absolutely been just like every other Israelite. When he saw the pressure, when he saw the trauma coming, when he saw the wrath of God about to be rested upon him, when he saw the blood, they were gonna beat him, they were gonna abuse him, spit on him and pull his beard and press the crown of thorns upon his head. And Jesus said, I know I could run. I know that I could turn around like every Israelite and run. Amen. But just like Jesus said in the garden, not my will, Amen. but yours Yours be done. It's almost like Jesus could look ahead in time and see you and I. He could see Crystal. He could see Jill. He could see Lena. He could see Big Mike. He, he could see Pastor Josiah. He could see Haley. He could see... See, because it's almost like the same spirit of Shammah and the same spirit of Edith. Peas don't mean much unless they're your peas. God thought so much about you and I. He's like, hey, these are my peas. That's my daughter. That's my son. And, and, and Peter, you're not going to stop this. And Philistines, you ain't going to stop this. I'm going to get to the cross. I'm going to stand my ground. This is what it looked like. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to fight my fight. The Bible says this, that in verse 12, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Oh, I love that. Just when Shammah could think he could take the credit. Just when Shammah thought that he was the gifted man. Just when Shammah thought he was the Lord's anointed. Don't you dare forget the very bottom of that verse, Shammah. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Victory. Hear this. It's almost like God wanted to know if Shammah had the courage. Would you do it, Shammah? Would you stand and fight for it? Because I'll give you victory. I'll give you victory. Some of us, when we're standing and we're fighting, we feel tired and we feel like the victory is all up to us. But what I have come to understand, if we'll fight like it's all up to him and pray and we fight like it's all up to us and pray like it's all up to him and we know that in the middle of our battle in the middle of our fight that God himself is going to give give victory that God could do something that only he can get the credit for and all he's doing is waiting on somebody to hold their ground and fight their fight Come on, church. He's gonna give you victory. If you'll stand your ground and you'll fight your fight, the best days are ahead for you and your family and your home. Fight your fight your fight. I wish I could go around this room and and talk to people like Stephen, who I picked on last service. He's up here this morning, right? When you're over here for a service, you both here second service too? He was over here singing. And people can just see Stephen. Why don't you stand up, Stephen? Let him take a good look at you. Are you single still? Not for long, baby. Not for long, baby. Come on. What's your number? Just tell it to me. What's your cell phone number? Tell it to. Come on. 270161. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now listen here. You're about to get a daughter in law today. I prophesy that. He was was over here singing today. And when you see Stephen, what you don't know is that he's had to fight in a pea patch. How many chemotherapy, chemo treatments have you had? 39. 39. On Tuesday, they're taking your port out. Is that what your mama was telling me? Peas don't mean much. Worship don't look like much. (laughs) Unless you've had to fight unless you've had to wrestle, unless you've had to push. Peace don't mean much unless they're your peace. And he's standing here today because he stood his ground and he fought his fight and the Lord has brought the victory. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? If you'll stand your ground and you'll fight your fight, there's victory for you. You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Yes. Lady back there, I can't see you. You got something in your hands. Grace, you're fixing your shirt right now, I see you. You're right in front of me. Yes, you, you looked at me like, oh God, what's he gonna do? You got victory coming to your house. I heard it when I looked at you, I saw it coming. Victory's coming to your house. You stand and fight. You give God praise and know the best days are yet to come in Jesus' name. And peace don't mean much unless they're your peace. Come on, give God praise in this. I feel the Holy Ghost in here now. Peace don't mean much unless they're your peace. Why are you waiting, Pastor Ethan? I want you to get this. I want you to get this in your heart. I don't want you to leave out here and say, that was a good sermon. I want you to leave out here saying, these are my peas. That's my mind. That's my church. That's my family. This is my mind. I'm not giving up. You know, when I think about, about Shamma, I think about you. I think about vibrant church. I want you to listen for a minute. When I think about Vibrant Church, I think about how strong you are. I think about how faithful you are. I think about how blessed we are. A year and a half ago, I, for the very first time, coming up on a year or two years, I received a phone call and they said, can you come down to Columbus, Mississippi and be a part of this church? It's been through some stuff. It's COVID and situations and uh, my pastor, Pastor Micah, who I just referenced to, he told me to come. And I wasn't sure I was going to come. I had some other things going. And I didn't want to leave it. And didn't know if I wanted to leave family and friends. and I didn't know if I wanted to leave eight feet of snow a year, you know. <laughs> it just goes to show how deceived you can get. <laughs> and the phone call came in and so I came and I remember the first service I walked through the church and half these seats were empty more than half both services and I may take this out of the recording just so you know so just listen for a moment I looked around the room and I saw hurting people I saw so many of you with your eyes tired and weary several months of trying to figure out what are we going to do what's the next step we've got all this debt we got all this building we had all these people now where's everybody what are we gonna and I looked around it's almost like the Philistines got in the field it's almost like the Philistines showed up and just caused chaos but I remember standing up here at this pulpit and preaching to you that first Sunday and I could feel your hurt you know, if you're, if you're a pastor, you, could, you just really can feel room sometimes. And I just could feel how confused people were and hurt people were, and betrayed people felt. And I, I didn't know exactly what God wanted me and my wife to do. And to be honest with you, I've never heard one time, never heard God ever say, I never woke up in the middle of the night and God say, Columbus, Mississippi. <laughs> never one time. But when I walked in the building and I looked around the room and I saw all of you, I thought about, I thought about what David said when he fought Goliath. Is there not a cause? David wasn't necessarily called to the battlefield. David was there just to deliver some pizza to his brothers. And when he saw Goliath, He said, who is this man that defiles the name of our God? And when I came here, I was telling Pastor Tyson this week, I just felt in my heart, who is this Philistine that comes in here and defiles the name of our God in Columbus, Mississippi? I don't have to be from this town to go fight Goliath. I don't got to be black or white. I think I'm white. I'm not sure. But the... I can fight Goliath. And the only, you know what really drew me here? It wasn't the building. It's a nice building. I'm, I love our building. It was the people, because when I looked in your eyes, I could see Shammah. I could see something in you that would get radical.